0: Morning. We're going to get started. We're running a little late. Um, so before we start with the forum, let's, uh, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for, uh, for this week. Lord, we want to thank you that you've been present and that we felt your presence. We want to thank you that, that we have the opportunity to see your glory through Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we ask that you would teach us now, uh, Lord, that you would speak through me, even though I'm inadequate, um, and Lord, that I'm not worthy of this position of being up here and 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 teaching uh, all all these young people. Um, so, Father, I pray that you would speak and that, that everybody would listen, uh, myself included. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, that we would all share and that we would learn from each other, and that you'd be glorified, and that we'd come away. Closer to you, pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. I have a question uh, before we get into the actual forum presentation. Um, question for you all: does, Has anybody ever said they were going to do something and then not done it? <laughs> just just a few of us, right? Just a few of us. All of us. of us, none of us, somebody says none of us, all right, yeah. Somebody's got to be different. Why, why, and let's focus, let's focus, I don't want to have to interrupt people. Um, why do we sometimes say we're going to do something and then not do it? Since we've all done it, why do you say you're going to do something Initial excitement. What else? Why else? What's that? Good intentions. Why else? Don't want to be rude and you forget. Why else? Go ahead. It looks pretty good when you first think about the idea, but then when you like when you initial laws is over and you kind of step back and you're like, wow, that was not a good idea So initially you think it's a good idea, you say you're gonna do it, and then as you get into it, you're like, Oh that was a bad move on my part. Okay, why else? Up by there in the back. What's that? Laziness? They're going to hate me with, for the next forum here. <laughs> Why else? Plans fall, Plans fall through. And pray that I don't fall. <laughs> All right, we don't want that to happen. Distractions. No time? I saw some other hands. <laughs> Priorities change? Whoops. So, yes? Oh, that's exactly what I was just going to ask. Nobody was saying get, get people off my back. But yes, we get, don't you ever say, sure, just to get them off your back? All right, I don't know if I can reach that. But. Can you read that? Okay, it says get them off my back. <laughs> Any others? You, how so? What do you mean? Like you make an ex... Make an excuse later. Okay, awesome. Um, so Matthew 21, I'm not going to have you read it, but um, Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32, uh, <coughs> Jesus is talking. And he said, this is what he says. He's, he's saying a parable, um, and he's saying a parable to the Pharisees, right? Who the Pharisees are? Somehow this just... Is that still good? Okay. Um, Pharisees, leaders of the time. We won't get into a lot of detail as to who they are, uh, but they were the leaders. And so he's telling a parable to them, and this is what he says. He says, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Some of us know this story. The son answers and says, no. Sorry, this is the Bob Vargas translation. Um, but afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second son and said, likewise, go work in my vineyard. And what does the second son say? Anybody know? Yeah. Second son says, okay. And what does he do? Doesn't go. So which was the rebellious one? Second one, both, why the second? Because The first one's repenting, why both? So the second one never did it. The first one said he wasn't going to do it, but then he repented. Have you ever said no to your parents? Well, okay, most of us don't say no to our parents. Um, Or maybe you do. (laughs) When I said no, I got beat. (laughs) Um, But do you ever come up with, well, why doesn't my brother do it, right? I used to do that. Well, why can't George do it? Um, And I'm sure some of us do that. And then you come back and do it. Anybody ever do that? Why why do you suppose the first son does it? Why do you suppose the first son says no and then does it? Why else? Why does the first son do it? Why else? Anybody, any thoughts? We're just guessing here. There's no wrong answers. What's that? He's bored, so he decides to do it. And as you're... I mean, think about it in the scriptural context. And not just kind of guessing from our point of view, but from the way the scripture is kind of saying it, what do, what's the implication? Why does the first son do it? To be obedient? Ashamed? And why... Any others? Anybody else feel strongly about one? What about the second? Based on what we read in the scripture, why do you think the second son doesn't do it? Why does he say sure, but not do it? Now we listed why we don't do things, but based on what we read in the scripture and the the way, the implication that Jesus kind of lays out, why do you think the second son doesn't do it? Sorry, you want to look good and what else? Fake. Okay, there's another hand up there. He said what Dad wanted to hear. Anybody else? Very possibly. (laughs) That's good. I didn't think about that one, but very possible. So because I I really don't want to, I shouldn't, in a way. Because I wouldn't do it with all my heart. I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a sentence rather than a paragraph. Now what's interesting is we know the end of the story because we can read further on. Um, but Jesus is basically calling, ends up calling them hypocrites. He calls the, this is a story for the Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Someone who says, tells everybody else to do one thing, but doesn't do it themselves? Contradicts themselves? Jesus called them, um, the Pharisees, whited sepulchers. Anybody know what that is? Anybody know what a sepulcher is? It's a tomb. You ever go to the, my uncle just passed away, and uh, and we had a couple people from church, or another person from church passed away recently, and uh, we went and they had the service in the mausoleum, is that what it was called? And uh, Rosa Parks was in there, was buried in that mausoleum, and it's beautiful, it's all granite, and Jesus calls them whited sepulchers because you look beautiful on the outside, but you're empty on the inside. So, I'm not spelling this right, I don't think, but bear with me. All right, let's jump into the presentation. Think about this as we're going through the presentation, though, specifically the two sons and and the act of rebellion. We got a really sophisticated system here. I've got a nail sticking in there <laughs> to act as the switch. <clears throat> Everybody see that? Is that I guess that's all we're getting. What does that switch do? Perfect. All right, we already talked about this. Let's talk about rebellion a little bit. Um, I mean, this was out of a a demonstration somewhere in Spain or something. I found it on Flickr. Um, Examples in the Bible. Uh, And... (laughs) Doesn't look like a real rebellious image, does it? Anybody remember what Saul did that was rebellious? Remember, he's, he's going to war, and, uh, and Samuel's not showing up. And then after uh, seven days... Saul is supposed to have the sacrifice and the blessing on the, on the war. And so he, he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And Samuel's not showing up. And so what does Saul do after the seven days? Does it himself? Um, and then remember, so Samuel gets a little upset. And then we have another battle and uh, after that. And God tells Saul through Samuel that he's supposed to destroy kill the king he's supposed to destroy the city anybody else remember what else he's supposed to do kill all the sheep kill all the goats kill all the cows basically destroy everything and what does Saul do he doesn't does he yeah What's his excuse? Because remember, so, so Samuel, it's, a, it's kind of a great picture when you read it in 1 Samuel. I mean, a great story because Samuel knows what already happened. God tells him what happened before he goes to Saul. He shows up and, he sa- and Saul goes, look, look, we did it. We, we did what God said. And Samuel goes, but, but I hear bleeding in the background, a.k.a. little goats, right? Um... I hear these animals in the background. And what's Saul's excuse? He says, I'm saving it for you, God. I want to save the best for the sacrifice, so I save the best. Um, he was great with words. I, I always wondered what he was going to do with the king. Because he didn't kill the king either. So, um, I mean, God never asked for a human sacrifice. So I don't know if he was really intending to put the king up on the altar too. Um, that's where Saul's logic breaks down a little bit. How about uh, We know this one. Yeah. So what's the story? What's the story? Jonah. Now this one's a. How is this rebellion? did the exact opposite of what God told them to do is that rebellion what was his what was his reason there's a hand up in the back do you know the reason say so can you speak up just a little bit louder he was and he wasn't he wasn't afraid of what they were going to do to him right he was afraid of what that they would actually that the people of Nineveh would actually repent. He was so angry with the people of Nineveh that he wanted them to die. And so he wasn't about to go tell them to repent because they might actually listen. He was afraid that they would actually listen to him. I don't know, that's kind of, that kind of blows your mind. Um, this one's great. Anybody know about Korah? Who, who can tell me about Korah? What does Korah do? And how, would anybody know? Nobody knows about Korah? Korah is like the awesomest rebellion. Korah is one of the young leaders of the Israelites during the the move out of Egypt. Anybody know what he comes up to Moses and says? Korah comes up to Moses. Well, first, he doesn't do it by himself. He needs his posse, right? He needs his friends, so you gather some friends. Um, they approach Moses, and the, the Bible puts it a little bit too eloquently. It says you take too much upon yourself. You need to share the load a little bit, but basically what he's saying is you're, you're taking too much authority, Moses. You need to give some to us. I don't know. Maybe you know Moses was doing everything himself. So why is Korah wrong? How is this rebellion? Any ideas? There's a hand up in the back. Maybe no. Just because God had chosen Moses. So Korah, he doesn't like the way that doesn't like the fact that Moses is is, has all the authority and that they have to do it Moses' way. He gets his group together to come up to Moses and say, Moses. This isn't just you. We're young leaders, too. We should have some of the responsibility. You should delegate a little bit more. God had told Moses to, to, to lead the tribe. Not everyone. Um, if you do a little bit of research on this, anybody remember what happens to Korah? Yeah, the earth opens up and they all fall in, and then the earth closes back up. Um, it, might have been, it must have been quite a sight to see. The whole crazy thing is, is all the people of Israel get upset. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if, if God would have just had an earthquake and opened the earth up right in front of Moses, and everybody in front of Moses falls in, and Moses is standing there, and the earth closes back up, I don't know if I'd be that angry with Moses. <laughs> um, but they were. And then I think, if I remember correctly, 50,000 Israelites die, um, Because of this, that a plague runs through. Uh, Interesting thing with Korah is that in the Psalms, there's a psalm of the sons of Korah. It seems like some of Korah's family didn't want to have anything to do with what he was doing. So some of them actually survived. Um, How about this one? This one's interesting. So this is Florence. (laughs) Um, Has nothing to to ignore the actual city. Who looked upon a city and what did they say? Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He wasn't even a Christian or a follower of of God at the time. Remember, Daniel interprets his dream. What does Daniel say in the dream? Daniel says that, you know what? You have time to change. Your kingdom is going to be taken from you. But if you change your ways and stop taking credit for everything, things can change. A year later, Nebuchadnezzar is standing on the rooftop of his palace, looking at his city. And what does he say? He says, look at everything that I have done. This is what he's looking at. Not not Florence, but Babylon. Looks kind of like this. Minus the train station in the distance. And he says, look at everything that I have done. And then it says, in that same hour, he became like an animal. And for seven years, he was in the wilderness. His nails grew long. He must have been a pretty hairy guy because he got really hairy. He looked like an animal. And for seven years, he slept on the ground in the woods, had his long nails, looked like claws, and he looked like an animal because he, he did not give God the credit. And th- uh, what's interesting about that one is that, um, you know, some people might say, some people in the audience might say, well, I'm not a Christian, so this doesn't apply to me. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a follower of God. Oh, sorry, this is my niece. Her name is Natalia, and she's gorgeous. And uh, doesn't look like much of a rebel, does she? Does she look like a rebel? Yeah. Dude, she is so cute. She is She is adorable. She's so cute, <laughs> and at the same time, she is just horrible to her mom. Now, that's my sister, right? And I tell my sister, Jay, her name's Jelena, say Jay. And we, we tell her this, and she knows it. We're like, dude, you're getting what you deserve, because you were horrible to mom, and it's payback time. <laughs> Because Natalia is great. She can smile from ear to ear, and she looks at you with those big blue eyes, and it just melts. I mean, you're, you just melt, right? It's just, it's just awesome. And then she just turns it on. Because if, if, if she doesn't get her way, boom, it's an explosion. Um, and drama, and stubborn, and obstinate, nothing like her uncle at all. Um, <laughs> she's only two years old. How about people, uh, people that you might know? It doesn't have to be confession time, but I want you to throw out a couple examples of people that you know. Uh just say, I know somebody. <clears throat> you know somebody who's like a, a really cool Christian? Yes. Oh, all right. Loves to pray, loves to talk about God. It's very spiritual. Then at the same time, there's kind of like this apparent contradiction in the person. Because on one hand, they're very spiritual. They love to talk about God. But who cares about what the church says? Who cares about what the Bible says if it doesn't apply to me? Who cares about what my parents say? Who cares about doctrine? I know people like this. It's funny. You know, this this doesn't have to be a teen forum. Uh, What what we're talking about applies to to guys that are 13 to 99. um, Because you run into this. I run into this. I run into people that... They are so intellectual. They know the Bible inside and out. And I finished with a sermon. Um, I was visiting a church once, finished the sermon, and I was actually annoyed with some people because they didn't warn me uh, afterwards because I finished the sermon, I come down, church is over, and I get cornered. Some guy corners me in a corner. And it's funny because I'm in the corner, right? So I'm kind of my I'm backed up in the corner. He's facing me. And people are walking by, and they just kind of look down. So they know what this guy's about, and he starts arguing. He goes, "You know, brother, I see that you are very, very knowledgeable in the Bible. I can't do the accent as good as he did it because he's definitely a European accent. Um, He didn't speak Serbian; otherwise, we would have gone off in Serbian and." uh, and he starts, he starts going off on this whole discussion about the gates of, the twelve gates in Jerusalem and the new heaven, and and, I, and he's just going on and on about what they mean and the implications. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, and I'm, tr- I'm you're trying to kind of you're trying to back it up. I mean, back up, and and uh, and I'm trying to change the subject. I'm saying, brother, you know, I, I'm not a theologian. I just I just want to go out there and do the work for Jesus Christ. Just, let's just go spread the gospel. But no, he wants to talk about the Bible and talk about theology. Um, I, knew, I knew young people that were like that. And I found it fascinating. Not that I did this, right? Don't, I'm not saying that, that I did all the stuff on the bottom, that I visited the sick uh, and the elderly when I was younger. But isn't it great that you have people that love to, to argue the Bible and love to discuss theology? and love to point out where the church is wrong. Look, it says right here. And yet, we don't do this. And they love to to stir the pot and get people riled up. But when it comes time to, hey, youth group's going to go sing at someone's house. Nah, I'm too busy. Nah, that's, that's not really my gift. So I did the bottom one. Um, you know, some of, this, some of this is all of us. And I remember getting blasted <laughs> by, uh, let me see, we were in Windsor. I'm not going to mention whose house. I was 20, 1920, And uh, we were going to skip afternoon services. Um, and we were watching a movie on someone's TV. And... Uh, I'm ashamed to say I was, you know, I was a Christian, right? I was baptized at that point. And we we're just going to skip and, and watch TV, watch this movie. And, and the guy's younger sister that I was with comes into the room. She's like, what are you guys doing? And she just went off on us. And i was just so thankful that at that moment, my heart was at least soft enough that I felt a little guilty <laughs> and ended up going to church. But smiling on the outside, being so nice, being so perfect, being so spiritual, and yet on the inside, things aren't quite right. Why do we get caught in that trap? That's what I, yeah, so what's the problem? She's so innocent, isn't she? Whoops, wrong way. Come on. She's so innocent. She's only two years old. She's going to be an actress. Me? Do anything wrong? Me? I'm innocent. Me? What are you talking about? This has nothing to do with me. What was the problem... What was Korah's problem? Let's back up for a second. What was Korah's problem? I shared the story based on what you know. What was his what was his issue? What was what was the not, not the, the surface issue that he had problems with with uh, with Moses' authority, but deep down, what's the core issue that, that Korah had? What do you think? Bit of jealousy, is that what you said? But bit of jealousy? Jealousy about what? What do you think? Can you speak up? I'm sorry. He wanted some of the authority? He wanted some of the, the power? The core issue became him. Yeah, right? Core issue wasn't Moses' problem. It was Cora's it was problem. What about, what about Saul's issue? What was Saul's issue? With the sacrifice, first of all. What was Saul's issue? He wanted to please the people. What else? That was good. He didn't have faith that Samuel would come. He was impatient. All of those. In the end, though, I'm king, and I want to do it my way. I'm not going to wait for Samuel because... In the end, I'm responsible. It's about me. Jonah? There's another hand over here. He didn't obey. Awesome. What about Jonah? Jonah had his own problem with the fact of what God wanted him to do. And so he did the opposite. It's funny that it all comes back to me. And it's the same with all of us. We can, we can like it, I mean, come on, if we're going to be real, you don't have to like it, but it's, it all comes back to me. It's about us. We're really self-centered, um, self-everything in a lot of cases. How do we make our choices? Um, what's, you guys probably don't use this anymore. Um, believe it or not, it's older than I am too. I don't use one of these types of things, but what is that? scale, a balance, right? How do we make our choices? I threw out, here's a couple ideas, and you tell me um, if you can add any to them. If I'm going to be honest, the way I make my choice is a combination of this is what the Bible says, and this is what I'd Really like it to say. And so I kind of find a happy medium. I'm not super comfortable going all the way out on what the Bible says. So I rationalize it, pull it back a little bit, and say, well, it doesn't really say all that. I think the biggest one, though, and tell me if I'm wrong, well, no, you can just tell me if I'm right, too, or give me examples. Anybody weigh the risks versus the rewards when they, when they make a choice? Yeah? Right? Don't we all do that? I mean, whether we realize it or not, when you're making a choice to obey your parents or not to obey your parents, um, you weigh the risk of not obeying versus the reward of not obeying. Right? Or if I'm going to obey the law, what's the, risk of not, what's the risk of speeding five miles an hour versus the reward of speeding five miles an hour. Well, I'm going to get there a little faster, and odds are that for five miles an hour over, or five kilometers and over, I'm not going to get a ticket, right? So the risk is pretty low, the reward is pretty high, no problem. I know how, I know what my decision is. You go a little bit faster. Now, in the States, in Michigan, our speed limit's 70 on the highways, miles an hour. Um, so when you're doing 90 <laughs> on the highway, your risk to reward changes a little bit. How does this tie into rebellion, though? I mean, with some of the examples that we gave, and we're not talking about, I'm not talking about you individually, but globally, when you think about it, Um, how does this tie into that issue of rebellion? Of um, being one way on the outside and yet doing other things? How does this tie into that? Any ideas? It allows us to rationalize it. Go ahead, keep going. It allows us to rationalize. It allows us to get away with what we want, doesn't it? It's funny how it comes full circle. Um, I want to be a cool Christian. I want to be seen as spiritual. I want to know the Bible and to be able to argue it and to be able to show people that I know the word. I want to do good. Inside, I'm fighting a battle. There's something within me that I have to fight with. And that something within me says, I don't like everything that comes with what I want to do for God. There's stuff that God requires that I'm not comfortable with. There's stuff that God wants me to be and do that is not fun how many how many people enjoy going to a nursing home raise your hand one person kind of two two people three kind of four kind of you enjoy the smell right that you know what i'm talking about the soiled laundry smell. You enjoy the, 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 the fact that, the, that they're not on top of cleaning everything all the time. It's not fun going to a nursing home all the time. So we find a way to cut that out. Now, for those that raise your hands and that you do go, the light that you see in someone's eyes when you go? It's worth a million bucks. It's definitely worth trying to hold your breath as you're walking by certain rooms. You know, we have, a, we have this elderly lady that's a shut-in. Uh, she can't get to church. And every time I visit her, um, and it's totally out of the way, and she's out by my parents' house, and so, of course... Um, let's see, here's my choices. I can go to my, get to my parents' house. They have a lot of acreage. They have a pond. They have, we set up the volleyball net. We have a barbecue. We can hang out outside. Um, just spend some time out there you know, after a busy week. Or I can keep going to visit this old lady who can't get to church. So the temptation's there, just like it would be for all of you. But the joy that she gets... When, you get, when she gets the visitor, it is worth a million bucks. How do we make those decisions? This one is great. Anybody know this verse? I got to give you a testimony. I love this verse. I was 19, 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, and I loved this verse. Don't let people despise your youth, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. And it used to get me so angry. Used to get me so angry that I felt like the ministers were pushing down and not letting me do the things that I could do in church. Anybody feel that way? Feel like there's I've got so much passion for Christ, I've got so much potential for Christ, I can do stuff. Let me get up there and do it, All right? We've got people that feel that way, and I love this verse, and I wanted to shove this verse in their faces. Even Apostle Paul said, don't let people despise your youth. It's not about the fact that I'm young. You know what's great? I really looked at that first section. I never really paid attention. I mean, that, 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 that second phrase but be thou an example of the believers. That doesn't matter. Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, don't let people look down on you for being young. And he says, don't let them look down on you for being young because you're going to be an example. You're going to be an example in what you say, in how you look, in what you do, in how you love. In fact, you're going to be so good that they're not going to be able to say anything bad about you. Verse 15, says, meditate upon these things, consider these, study these things that I'm telling you, so that your profiting may appear to all, that, that as you grow by studying this, it's going to become visible to everybody. So, guys, girls, if, if you're really, truly passionate about Jesus Christ, if you're really, truly passionate about living for him, it's not just a surface thing. It's not just a halfway thing. It's, just not, it's not just the thing that, that you want uh, to do and, and then just disregard other aspects of it. It's, it's the whole thing. button here. This is the other question. We're not going to go there too much. Um, but it's funny that we always think we're right. Uh, you know? Uh, I made a mistake once. It was like a, a few weeks ago. I was wrong. I thought I'd made a mistake. Um, but but I was right, so it's alright. Right? We always think we're right. Um, we don't do stuff on purpose that's wrong. Um, we like to convince ourselves that that we need to do what we're doing, just like Saul did. Um, just some verses about why, what God says. These are, these are profound. And again, this is, this is for everybody. This is scary stuff. This is what Jesus says. And if you, if you can't uh, understand the interpretation, here's the Bob Varga translation. Um, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Here's another one that Jesus says. And here's the Bob Varga interpretation. Not everyone that calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those that do the will of my Father in heaven will enter in. Here's a, oops, it's, oh yeah, there's, there's another verse there, Matthew 5.23. But here's what, um, here's what Samuel said to Saul after he did all of that. There's right? a bigger picture. And then he goes on to say the rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. What are you gonna do? I think the first thing, all of us, me included, everyone in here, everyone at camp needs to do, is be honest. If you're lying to yourself, then forget this. This is useless for you. Um, Reset the scale. Take a look at the scale, ask yourself these questions. You have to be honest first, because you can't put this, I have this slide first, but without honesty, this slide's useless. This is cool. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Chicago. This is, they call it the jelly bean. Um, what's really cool is how much it distorts everything. And so if we're not honest with ourselves, we get a really cool image of who we are, but it's not realistic. I think Forget the shape of the mirror, but we need to look at ourselves honestly. Look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we are. Um, and then the last verse that I just want to leave you with is that um, I had to do a little bit of this. And I know this is hard for you to do, but there's cases where you have to run away from the people that are, you're around. If you're not the bad apple, that's okay. I know we're out of time. If you're not the bad apple, don't hang out with the bad apple. And so I'm just asking you to consider doing that. Thank you.